that are alive, you are coming with me. What is this bullshit? Good Trash Genre Cast. I love you. I know. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where people gather around a table and we discuss the films that will never, and I mean never, make their way into a film studies course. This week's film, as we continue our way through Netflix November, is uh, the Frank Grillo film, Wheelman. Uh, I'm very, very excited to be talking about that with my illustrious co-host. Let's go ahead and identify ourselves. The dear listener knows who the devil you are. Who are you, sir? My name is Dalton Stewart, and this is a mostly dialogue-free film, so I don't have any lines to quote for you. Nicely put. Uh, sir, who are you? I am Arthur Gordon, and I started a mob war. Yes, 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 you did. Uh, my name is Dustin Sells, and I will make the drop on time, and I'm very, very glad to be here with you all. Okay, so I'm the only one that couldn't come up with a line. Yep. All right. yeah, pretty much. All right, well. Drops the ball as usual. Yes, you're mean. Well, we are. Um, so, if you have never tuned in to the Good Trash Genre Cast, brought to you by the Good Trash Media Network, you may or may not know that this is an analysis show, not a review show. And analysis requires spoilers. It's just one of those things that has to happen. You can't pretend like it's not there. We're not We're not out here just to try to help you understand and whether or not you want to uh, consume a piece of commercial commodity entertainment. No, no, indeed. We are talking about meaning, and thus and therefore spoilers will happen. But the way in which we will avoid them is thus. We will have a synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, which is, of course, spoiler-free. We will have our thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, in which we avoid spoilers as best we can. We will then play a game, which may or may not involve a mild spoiler of this film or other films in its orbit, probably not very likely this particular week. And then we will get down to business at that point. All spoiler bets are off. We will find out that the whole time in the trunk, he was carrying a bobsled. And uh, we will discuss that... um, and in fairness, we often go a little bit fast and loose with uh, talking about spoilers early in the show. But uh, as in this Netflix November marathon, we're going to be doing 2017 releases only. Uh, we'll probably play a little bit closer to the rules uh, just because these are all going to be new films. Yeah. More careful than normal. So there is your spoiler prophylactic. We are going to move right on now into that synopsis from the voice of the cinema. One, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Let's hear that synopsis, please. A getaway driver for a bank robbery realizes he has been double-crossed and races to find out who betrayed him. There you go. Um, I guess sort of betrayed him. Just changed the game in the middle of the game. But yeah, I mean that's a betrayal. I, I, su- yeah. I suppose. Yeah, it was I mean, a he setup. Had, he had a job he signed up for, and that was not it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, betrayal seems more like, and we're going to give you the police. That's yeah. how I feel every week. I signed up for one job on the show, and uh, five years going. Mm-hmm. Every single week. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I have have nothing to say about that. So let's, uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead (laughs) and hear our uh, quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews of Wheelman. I go to you first, Mr. Dalton Stewart. You love Mr. Grillo, so I do love the grill. Say the words. So yeah, I I I pushed really really hard for this movie to be talked about uh, because uh, I I heard the buzz it got coming out of I think it was Fantastic Fest or South by I can't remember, Uh, but it had some festival buzz and Netflix picked it up pretty quickly. so when I realized it was going to be on Netflix in time for Netflix November, I was very insistent we do it because it was, I love Frank Grillo. Um, I think the first thing that I can remember seeing him in was The Grey uh, with Liam Neeson, which was one of my very favorite films of 2012. I think it actually is still my favorite film of 2012 just for uh, personal reasons. Uh, but, yeah, I just like Frank Grillo a lot, and he has been acting for a really long time. Um, his career goes back further than The Grey. And it's interesting that you bring that up because Carnahan is a, an executive producer on this. That was one of the first things I noticed, yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw Carnahan, I was like, okay, the Grillo being in this makes a lot more sense. Uh, because I know Carnahan's a big fan of Grillo. Like, they're good friends personally, and Carnahan is invested in his career. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, he's a guy that I plays the second string. I mean, yeah, he got to be a, a secondary antagonist in two Marvel movies, so that's fun for him. But, 
you know, he's a good actor. Um, he's got chops, and uh, it's fun to see him get to lead a movie. Uh, although he did lead the second Purge movie. I mean, he's kind of the star of that film and, and the co-star of the third film. So, you know, he's gotten his, his toes wet in kind of bigger genre fare. I mean, they're still smaller movies, but they are studio releases. Uh, but, you know, this is a Netflix pickup, which is kind of a different sort of movie, I feel like. I think it's a different sort of thing. But he is decidedly the star. I mean, he is in every frame of this movie. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it is definitely a vehicle. Uh, no pun intended, because fuck that. Um, but it's definitely a, a vehicle for Frank Grillo. And I think he's great. I mean, at the end of the day, that's a big part of how this film's quality is going to be judged is how good is Frank Grillo because he has to be good to carry the film. It's only an 80 minute movie. Uh, but I think he, he is compelling on screen throughout. I think he makes some really good choices in, in tone and posture that belie a nervousness uh, throughout the proceedings um, that make the stakes feel real. You know, the, the dramatic weight of this story feels real because Grillo brings that. Um, but, you know, not to underplay the, the craft of the filmmakers and the crew because, Wow, what a competently, uh, really remarkably well-shot movie. I mean, it, and this is a, a feature debut from the director. Uh, he's only done shorts previously, as far as we could tell. Um, so, wow, what a what an incredibly well-shot film. Uh, and, you know, you're intentionally, I mean, that's, that's the point of a movie like this, right? The, the director is kind of showing off, saying, I'm intentionally boxing myself into a corner with this plot, and I'm going to show you that I can make this look cool as hell anyway. Um, so yeah, that, that's a, definitely a, a creative choice, uh, to try and, you know, show off, but Hey, when it works, it works. And a uh, wheel man works for me. I mean, it is a very thin movie. Uh, we'll get into that in analysis. It, it's, yeah, it's not particularly meaty, but, uh, it does what it does incredibly well. And I appreciate, uh, coolness. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much for that. Mr. Dalton Stewart, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What say you? Um, I, I liked it quite a bit. I, uh, I, I like Grillo. I, I think he's solid. I think he's got a great look as an actor. I think he's born to be an action guy, and so I think he's got the look that really backs that up. And I think he's got the chops to lead, and so uh, all that's really working here. I think a lot of the other performances uh, that we see or that we hear through the phone calls work really well. Um, and so I think that's got it going for it. There's some very uh, great shots and sequences in the film, especially the opening sequence when we first get the car and we first meet Grillo. Um, there's a really nice long, uh, shot that, uh, stays with the, in the car as it comes out of the garage and we switch. You know, drivers. I really expected a single shot film. For I was, I was wondering if that's where yeah. they were going to go. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Uh, and there are some other action sequences where we just stay in the car rather than getting out with our characters. We just sit in the back seat and watch all this unfold. And I think those are very interesting decisions, uh, that work really well. Um, a lot of the script, a lot of the dialogue I think is really strong. Um, and it I, is a sweary movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> Boy, fun a little bit. Um, but I, I, I really like a, a movie where the stakes keep getting raised, mm-hmm. and there doesn't look like there's a way out for our protagonist. And I think it's really interesting to see that, and because there are moments in this film where there's just there's never that kind of what is it the I can't remember what it's called in the screenwriting course, but it's that kind of the bright spot at the end of the day kind of a thing, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, we never really get that here. I, I always think of it as um, I'm sure that uh, people who who study this harder than I do have a, a much smarter sounding word for it. But I always call it the uh, the aliens plotting, uh, which is that every time the protagonist presents a way out of their problem, that solution breaks yep. and the problem gets even worse. Yeah, I, I love that kind of plotting. Yeah, I do too. And I, I think it's an interesting way to keep us hooked, keep us invested, especially in such a simplistic film as this, because there's not a lot. Uh, really where you can go with it if you're not creative. And I think uh, our director, I think our, our script writers, they, they work a pretty competent film. Uh, I felt kind of on the edge of my seat quite a bit and stressed out about what was going to happen. Yeah. And, and I, was, I was really feeling for Grillo. Uh, they do a nice job of giving his backstory through dialogue just kind of, you know, without being overly uh, expletive about it. Uh, and I, I like a lot of that for it. And I think it's a really strong, really solid action thriller. And I think it works. All right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. I am not there, guys. That's okay. Um, it, it, uh, gorilla's fine. Mm-hmm. Grillo. Gorilla. Gorilla. He's Gorilla. Frank Gorilla. He's actually a simian. Frank Magilla Gorilla. Magilla Gorilla. Um, That's a very mean thing to say about such a such a yoked guy. 
I get yeah. it though. He's he's a, he's a big dude. He's a big dude. He's tough, and he he does a fine job. Um, really, performance wise, you know, guys on the phone, whatever. Uh, there are some almost bravado sort of moments in terms of shooting that that go ahead and I guess kind of wimp out. And I could agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't do anything next level for sure. Yeah, and it is. It's very pedestrian, you know, about a car about driving. It's hard to say that, but it is very pedestrian as far as plotting goes. I mean, I do like the idea of, you know, they do things and things break, but it is not nothing we've not seen before. It is a standard sort of old, tired, guy-in-over-his-head kind of movie. And, uh, yeah, it's. I was not mad watching it. I was not unentertained. It wasn't a thing where I got bored or anything like that. But after the watch, I'm like, well, that's a thing that happened. I, I guess I don't disagree with you with any anything that you've said so far dustin but for for my money i uh you know yeah when, when it's done that well it's fine yeah when, when it's done that competently even if it is fairly pedestrian yeah i still appreciate uh i appreciate that uh, sometimes people are able to make you know a movie that good even if they didn't really do anything other than do it okay yeah and yeah it, it's that fun. takes me a little bit further than it takes you i guess yeah it, it, it doesn't do much for me i mean they could have had a, a lot more fun with many things and uh, it's just is it's it's just sort of there and uh, that being said is it not fun no of course it's fun performances are fine and all of those kinds of things but it's not quite silly enough to be memorable, nor is it quite meaty enough to be useful, um, sort of after the fact. That's so, very well put, though. Yeah, I will agree. Yeah, so for my mind, like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not mad that it happened, but whatever. And uh, so uh, you have a hearty meh from me, and you have a more laudatory responses from um, Arthur and Dalton. So therefore, you now know our biases to the film as we come in. Without any further ado, though, let's talk about how this conversation that we're having here in Dalton's living room, um, trying to cast it out into the interwebs as a pod of trashy goodness, how you can have this conversation uh, with one another and with us via social media. Dalton, how do they do that? Well, you know, if you're not the three of us uh, and our uh, producer, Pluto the Cat, over on the soundboard. Um, literally on the Literally soundboard. on the soundboard. Uh, he's a sweet boy. Uh, but yeah, if you're not the four beings in this room, uh, you know, it's hard to uh, have input. Well, it could be hard, but it doesn't have to be. Thanks to the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, the internet gives us and you a way to communicate. And that's about all that I can say nice about the internet because it's a terrible, terrible place. Uh, but if you want to brave those waters, you can find us on Twitter at good underscore trash and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GTM. Uh, and of course, uh, however you're putting it this year, probably the, the Apple iTunes app. Uh, but also potentially Stitcher Radio. You know, however you're doing it, uh, if you want to rate, review, and subscribe to the show over there, we would really appreciate that. Um, we, uh, Arthur has, has made some, we, I, let's go ahead and say we, Arthur's working on it, but we have decided to make some changes to that Patreon that still exists. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, as people reached out to me noticing that their payments had stopped. Uh, so I want to say, yes, if you were giving us money, those payments have stopped at least for the next month or so. Uh, till we figure out how to restructure some things. Yeah, we weren't delivering you stuff that we said we would. And even though I mentioned it, we have all mentioned it on the show, uh, we still felt bad taking your money. Um, because, you know, sometimes you just leave a thing active and don't think about it. Right. Um, so we're done with that for right now. Um, we might reactivate and say you can keep giving us money if you want to. Uh, but we're we're very uh, back to DIY basics at this point. Uh, we don't really have uh, the capacity uh, to make you stuff or uh, send you extra stuff at this point. So uh, that's where we're at with it. Um, but, yeah, if you have questions or concerns about that, facebook.com forward slash GTM and Twitter at good underscore trash are good places to do that. Oh, and uh, and the email if you have a much longer concern. Uh, that's uh, what goodtrashmedia at gmail.com? Uh, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com still. Uh, okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was media or genrecast. So goodtrashgenrecast uh, at gmail.com if you have a longer concern on those more financial matters. So there you go, dear listener. We'd love to talk with you more, but we're not going to talk to each other anymore about this stuff because now it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. And we're back with our game. This week's game is our favorite underappreciated actors. Uh, That's right. Favorite underappreciated actors brought to you by... 
Wheelman, Wheelman, we've got Frank Grillo, and he's a deeply underappreciated actor. I mean, yeah, the the through logic on this is pretty simple. Uh, Frank Grillo deserves all the props, and we wanted to give props to people we really like and feel like they should be getting more. There you go. So, without any further ado, well, we're going to do the same thing we do, round robin style. So we'll go three, two, and one with our selections. And I go to you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Your first of three picks: favorite, underappreciated, underused, underseen, underknown, underwear actor. Go, Calvin Klein. Um, I was thinking of Woody Harrelson in the Cowboy Way, doing a cowboy <laughs> Calvin Klein ad. <laughs> uh, my first pick is it's kind of a cheat, maybe, but uh, this is a guy that is. A phenomenal actor, and he he gets. I mean, he gets plenty of work, uh, but he's not a household name. Uh, most people know him by his characters because he's usually under makeup and he's usually doing character. Ah, uh, yeah. But uh, I've got to say, the guy should have like five Oscars by now, and it's Gary Oldman. Nice. Um, I think he is a phenomenal actor that should be a household name. I think I know what you mean, Arthur, because it's like, yes, Gary Oldman was in the Batman movies. Yeah. Yes, Gary Oldman was in the Harry Potter movies. People are aware of who Gary Oldman yeah. is. But he's relegated to old mentor roles. Yeah. Um, and he got relegated to that kind of stuff pretty early in his career, yeah. it feels like. I mean, he's a great character actor. He's great. You put him in my, I mean, we've got The Darkest Hour coming up. Mm-hmm. He looks great as Churchill under all his makeup. Um, but he's, he's capable of so much. I mean, he can play good guy, he can play bad guy, he can play schmaltzy, you know, cartoony villain. He can play, uh, you know, award season, Oscar bait, dramatic role, whatever you need from the guy. Yeah. Uh, and I just, you know, it's, it's not that he doesn't get the work. It's just that people don't know. I mean, you feel like he's taken for granted. Yeah. I I think it's that. And I think if you go out and, you know, just the common consensus, if you're like, oh, have you seen the new Gary Oldman, you know, movie? They're like, who? A serious black, you know. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. You have to I mean, remind people of the Gary Oldman roles. They Dracula, so much. serious black. Yeah, you know, Commissioner Gordon. His Dracula turn is amazing. Yeah. Sid Vicious. Yeah. His uh, uh, the bad guy in the professional. I can't even think of the character name. But no, is it no? Is it the line? Yeah. It, yeah. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a. Uh, it's one of the yeah. best. And so, I, I, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm sure he's not, you know, hurting. I'm sure the bank account looks good, but uh, I, I wish people knew Gary Oldman a little better. I think that's a fair point, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what is your third of three picks? Uh, my first pick is uh, no, your third. My, 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 stop it! Don't confuse me. <laughs> uh, th- this first one that I'm going to mention. This is the only one you get. <laughs> Uh, it's Ruth Nagy. You guys ruined my uh, my lead up. Um, starting in uh, the ABC show, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is about uh, as far down to the bottom you can start as a working actor, I think. Which, again, is not to discredit <laughs> those actors. The actors on that show are quite good. I just mean, yeah. you know, in terms of being respected and appreciated an actor. That is, I mean, that's don't, that's a good job. That's a great job. I don't want to take that away from anybody. And, again, that's a fine show. My point is... Television actors, especially genre television actors, are kind of an underappreciated class of actor anyway. So that's really far, like, on the the cultural clout and respect ladder. Uh, but, uh, man, Loving is a great film. Uh, mm-hmm. The jump from getting to do a superhero show to then doing Preacher, which is, you know, premium, you know, well, basic cable prestige show, but still a genre show. That's still that's a lateral move. It's a good move, but it's still lateral. But uh, Ruth Negga in uh, the Jeff Nichols film Loving uh, with Joel Edgerton, man, holy shit! Uh, what a great performance. I mean, she's just absolutely astonishing. And Joel Edgerton, uh, not uh, underappreciated, but definitely or more appreciated than Ruth Negga, but uh, unappreciated in his own right too. Um, and just and that's really the cast of Jeff Nichols movies. Honestly, is mm-hmm. actors that you wish got more love in the mainstream. Um, and that's, you know, some of our picks are probably going to flow that way is not necessarily unappreciated in film circles, but in the mainstream. Uh, but I, I, I'm excited to see where Ruth's career goes because I like her so much in the things that I've seen her and she's just got, uh, there's something to her performances. There's a real humanity to them and empathy, even, um, you know, and that even in agents of shield where she played a more villainous character, um, and a less redeemable character. She was just so interesting and compelling uh, that I think the the role got to do more interesting stuff and, you know, led to Loving, which is a small, quiet, beautiful little movie. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my first pick. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dolensford. I want to refer to an actor who is a bit of a character actor who you probably will never see in a heavy-duty lead, but I would love to see him work a lot more, and I'd like to see him seen a lot more often. Uh, this goes all the way back to my initial love of all things Twin Peaks. It is Leland Palmer himself, Mr. Ray Wise, who is relegated to playing roles of, like, commissioners of police, uh, corrupt or 
or otherwise virtuous politicians, and he has got so much range. He can go bonkers, wild, wily coyote, wacko, and he can go to, uh, again, sort of scary, sinister. He can do uh, the gentle, sort of loving uh, father kind of role, and everywhere in between. He's just a really, really solid actor who you usually see as a guest role in some sort of uh, procedural drama. Uh, for a little while, he was a governor of California in the West Wing, but he doesn't do a whole lot of work. He's got a turn in psych where he plays a priest um, who helps out uh, Sean and uh, Dulé Hill's character. What's his name? Gus. I could not think of his name for a second. Um, helps them out from time to time. But I, I really, really like Ray Wise, and I really, really wish I saw a whole lot more of him on the big screen and on the small screen. So that is my number three pick. That's our rounds of threes. Now our rounds of twos. I go to you next. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what's your number two pick? Um, I'm going to pick an actress who I think is just, she's very funny. And I think a lot of people consider her very underrated. Uh, she may be best known, or at least to me, she's best known for her role in Arrested Development as Kitty Sanchez. Um, and it's Judy Greer. Uh, yeah, she is so she good, is man. very funny. She's very talented. Uh, she gets relegated to kind of a sidekick or the wife or ex-wife or a teacher kind yeah, of role. Movies that are decidedly not about her a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think she's got uh, a lot of potential to really be a lead, to really carry a movie, especially a comedy. Uh, I assume I haven't seen a lot of dramatic. Her stuff. dramatic chops are there, man. Uh, she's she's good in that yeah. stuff too. And you might see her in some kind of indie stuff, but yeah, she's uh she's got a lot to offer, and I think uh, you could really build some stuff around her, give her a lot of substance, and she could really carry a role. Of, uh, do some really good stuff, and I, I, I think more people should uh, get out and check out her work and uh, see what she's done. Uh, here's the thing I just learned about Judy Greer that I didn't realize. Uh, she played, um, well, again, this kind of goes to her being uh, wife roles, but she got to do some motion capture work with any circus. She plays oh, really? uh, oh, his, his wife, Chimp, in yeah, uh, the Planet, Donut, of Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. I didn't hmm. know that. That's cool. So that's, that's fun. Interesting. Yeah. That's fun. Good for her uh, mocaps, uh, you know. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for people. Who and she got to be a secondary character in a Marvel film, so there's yeah. that. But again, those are the kinds of yeah. roles she gets. Yeah, uh, she's got this really like great two scene role in The Descendants. It's yeah. like one of the most serious things I've ever seen her do. Um, the that's a good movie. The movie, yeah. Oh, gosh, what's the name? The Pain, Alexander Payne. Thank you, Alexander Payne. I couldn't think of the director's name. She's really great in the two or three scenes yeah. she has in that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm right there with you on Judy Greer, Arthur. Yay, Judy Greer. Well done. Mr. <laughs> Dalton Stewart, your number two pick. So this is my, my pick that dips into that that kind of cheat territory in that this is this is an actor that has a lot of respect in, in film buff circles but i just don't feel like um well he should have been a movie star it's sam rockwell uh sam rockwell yeah. has been one of my favorite actors for we know yeah i know you, everyone you, if you listen to the show you're aware since of how the beginning sam he's great since the beginning but he's great though you since know, the beginning I of this show but you know he's not bad he's great he's the seven good. psychopaths was our first season right so i mean wow you've been, you're right you've Man, been toting his legend right. for a long time yeah i'm a big fan uh and it's i good i can't remember how it started um i know one of the ones that really got me in wholesale was uh confessions of a dangerous mind uh just i was, I was the right age for that movie i think uh that was one of the first ones but uh also you know hitchhiker's guide when that first came out i remember probably like, moon too right did you see moon Moon. i was already on the bandwagon uh okay. I, that's why i was so excited about moon okay uh i you know because duncan jones has wasn't a, a name at that yeah. time yet uh i was excited for moon because i was rockwell. so excited for sam rockwell yeah uh to see him get to do something real big i was excited when uh they uh he was in choke which uh nobody saw um and uh, i was just so excited that he was getting to be the lead of a movie um but yeah, I'm I'm a huge Sam Rockwell fan, and I think the whole world should be. And yes, much like uh, Gary Ullman, uh, Arthur's pick, he's been in some bigger stuff. He was in a Marvel movie. You know, that's that's no nothing to sneer at. He was a secondary antagonist uh, in a Marvel movie at that. But uh, he should have been a superhero. That's that's my point. Sam Rockwell uh, should have been a household name. But um, I don't know. I think he's probably getting more interesting work, uh, getting to pal around with uh, Martin McDonough yeah. with Seven Psychopaths and uh, Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, coming at the end of this year. You know, I think he's probably living his best life as a, as a performer. I just, uh, you know, I wish he got to do more, like, notable things. I wish people were throwing uh, statues at him. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of someone who deserves to have statues thrown at them, although this actress has been nominated a time or two for an Academy Award, um, she does. She has yet to win the award, and I think that's a travesty. Oh, so you, th this is a taken-for-granted actor pick. Taken-for-granted, and she does not work nearly enough, and that's Naomi Watts. I okay, love, yeah. love Naomi Watts. She is brilliant in everything she does. And that's, a, that's a strong pick because I don't think a lot of people are going to see that she's underappreciated. 
Yeah, I, I kind of yeah, I get where you're coming from. She she uh, is taken for granted. Yeah, she's uh, there. She'll, she's always solid, but she yeah. It always felt like she was kind of playing second fiddle to Nicole Kidman. Like I think that was always kind of the yeah, because yeah. they're kind of contemporaries of each other, and they're definitely you know playing similar roles. Except for Nicole Kidman has only one note, and it's brittle, and that's the I, only thing that she plays. No nah, man, you got to see Kidman in uh, Pretty Little Lies, dude. No, okay, you know I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, so she's who you got to see her in this most recent season, The Top of the Lake. Okay. Yeah, Kidman is doing some great ladder. I, I mean, I say ladder. She's only what forty. Yeah, uh, I mean, she's just been she's been around for so long. Um, she's such a she's an icon. Yeah. Uh, but no, man, she th- this most recent stretch of her career, she's doing some really great stuff. Yeah, not to besmirch too yeah, much. But Nicole, I, I get I get Nicole what you're Kidling. saying. Um, Why are you calling her Kidling? Kindling. Like 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 her little brittle Nicole twigs. Kidman. I know kindling. You stop that. Yes, little br- like Matthew it. Mahogany no. and Nicole Kindling. You are a, a strange, strange little man. Yeah, no one wants is great though. I yeah, know what you're yeah. saying. And I just not near enough love for her. All right, moving on to our number one picks. I go to you, Mister Arthur Gordon. What say you? Uh, my number one pick is a guy that I've I've appreciated for a long time, really before I really got into movies even. Um, I fell in love with his uh, performance. But um, it's Will Patton. Uh, oh, yeah. This is a guy that shows up. He's either – he's always some kind of secondary character. He's either some kind of you – know, he plays good guys. He plays bad guys. Usually kind of a he- – not a heavy, but kind of like a – behind the scenes heavy like he's usually the guy paying the heavies um i think about in punisher or uh um gone in 60 seconds where he's kind of you know doing the hiring for um i can't think of the bad guy's name in that movie um oh i know who you're talking about but yeah he's yeah. The, I, the first new doctor yeah, yeah. but uh he's uh he's really solid i, I really fell in love with him in uh, remember the titans uh, when he's going back and forth with Denzel, and I think he really holds his own with Denzel, which I think says a lot for an actor uh, to be able to work uh, at the same level. And uh, I, I think he's just very well rounded. He's always got really great uh, little characters that I always remember. You know, I he think about Armageddon. Like, yeah, he gets and, a lot of like William Fickner type parts. Yeah, yes. yeah. And so I, I've always really appreciated him. Always really uh, excited when I see him show up on my screen, and I, I've always kind of been a fan i mean as long as i can remember like really getting into film you know in the early 2000s and then stuff and armageddon man yeah armageddon yeah, yeah. And, and i mean he's there he's in these movies but you know nobody knows you know will pat and then I, I think he could you know be a really he's very hand. much of that guy yeah definitely yeah. definitely yeah. and really um we could have just done this whole this whole list could have just been people in wheelman i mean yeah. garrett dillahunt and shay wiggum both show up for a scene and those are yeah. two of my favorite like that level of actor and yeah those guys should both be household names because they're so great yeah all right well thank you very much for that mr arthur gordon mr Dalton stewart what's your number one pick so i went for a real kind of deep dive on this one um in that this is going to be a a kind of a deeper cut but uh you know again we we gotta start giving people props uh, as early in their careers as we can uh brit lauer uh, is the actress she is really great uh i mean her most notable thing she shows up in sisters uh for a little bit uh, but uh, the biggest thing she's had recently are um, she's a recurring character on that uh, Hulu show Casual. Uh, but the thing that I really have liked her the most in is Man Seeking Woman, uh, mm-hmm. the FX or I guess now FXX show that ran for three seasons. Um, I'm a big fan of that show as a whole uh, with uh, Jay Baruchel and Eric Andre. But uh, she plays uh, Jay Baruchel's character's sister, uh, and she's been a, a regular since the first season. And uh, she always has at least an episode, uh, I think. The first two seasons, for sure. I haven't finished the third one, uh, but there's uh, both those seasons have an episode that's just about her, uh, and um, it, it's a really kind of like hyper. Um, it's even beyond magical realism. It's like an, a, a bonkers, absurdist heightened reality that the show exists in, uh, and she grounds that in really interesting ways. I mean, she still gets to do really fun absurdist comedy, but she also uh, gets to be an emotional anchor um, and do some kind of like real heavy lifting uh, on the show. Uh, and again, I just I just think she's great. She's really funny. Um, uh, and uh, brings real nuance to what she does. Uh, and I would like to see her uh, get to do more films, get to uh, be closer to the top of, of the billing sheets on things, and uh, 
Yeah, I think she's great. So it's Britt Lauer. I keep an eye out for that one. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Uh, my last and first number one pick is an actor. Yeah, don't who, try to rank it like that. You're just going to make it confusing it's for confusing everybody. Myself, it's so confusing. Fact. But my last pick, which is my number one pick, uh, because we go into sending order, I suppose, in, in doing this uh, thing. I'm just going to keep talking about it just to make okay. us all crazy. Just make us all bonkers. We're going to be <laughs> all here all day doing uh, diagrams of straws. But the modern day uh, Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr. of cinema, and I'm not talking about Andy Serkis, although Serkis um, is, uh, in, in some senses, underrated in that he has not been recognized for his performances. But this is another uh, one of those great actors under mm-hmm. the makeup. I know who you're going time. for. It's Doug Jones. Yeah, I know who you're going for. Doug Jones is amazing. I think he's going to get his due uh, this Christmas. Uh, man, I hope so. With Shape Water. I hope so, too. Yeah, I mean, he's doing some work with the new Star Trek series, and he's doing yeah. just, he's doing a fine job there. No, that's, uh, wait, is he really? What, yeah. What's Doug Jones doing in the new uh, Star Wars movies? He's the uh, science officer. Star Trek. Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek. What did Sorry. I say? I thought you said Star Wars. Star Trek. I, I might Discovery. have. He's in Discovery. Oh, okay. Good for him. Yeah, he's in this dude, Star Trek. Oh, that's so cool. This guy's been working for, I mean... Oh, forever. Uh, Hocus Pocus, Buffy. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember him in Hocus Pocus. That was the first thing I yeah. saw him in. I was like, this guy's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's fun. a phenomenal actor, and yeah. I'd love to see him work more. He's good outside of his makeup. Yep. Um, I'm looking at you, loving the Time of Monsters, which is a movie that we did a million years ago. Doesn't he show up out of makeup and John dies at the end, too? Um memory does not serve at this point. I want to say he does, but it could be wrong. I'm going to go ahead and believe you. Um, but he's good. He's good at all that he does. I love Abe Sapien. I love the fawn from Pan's Labyrinth. I love the scary man in uh, that particular episode of Buffy where everyone can't talk. The gentleman. Oh, it's uh, yeah. so, so scary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a great, great actor. I want to see more of him and I want to see more recognition of him. He's working a lot. I don't think he's really hurting for, um, those acting opportunities. What I see him really hurting for is just the opportunity. People say, you know what, Doug Jones, you're amazing. Well, that's one of the things that excites me so much about, uh, the shape of water because you're getting that with Sally Hawkins. You're getting that with Octavia Spencer. Uh, you're getting that with, um, oh crap. I can't even think of his name. Um, Michael Shannon. No, it's not Michael Shannon. It's the other guy. Um, Mm, other, he, he was in Men guy. in Black 3. Uh, he's at the opening scene of Seven Psychopaths. He's one of the guys that gets gets caught in the, the head at the very Chris beginning. Chris Walken. No. Anyway, it's not important. <laughs> um, but um, but he could have been... I mean, yeah, even in the actors we've listed in this, going through this, we've listed actors that have worked with other actors that could have easily been on this list. Richard Jenkins? Point. No, it's not Richard Jenkins. We'll get, we'll get to... Oh. He's keep keep looking because he's at the top of the cast. Well, here is the thing, though. Michael Stuhlberg. It's Michael Stuhlberg. Thank you. Oh my god, okay. I couldn't think of his name. It was driving me crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, he's so good. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, guys. Um, there are so many undersung. Uh, great actors and actresses out there working right now in Hollywood. We have given you nine names, and we were talking in the orbit of many, many names whilst we were doing that. We would love to hear your favorite unsung heroes of the cinema. And so you can send those uh, names to us via those magical means of social media. Unsung heroes of the cinema is such uh, a prettier and more succinct way to say the name of this game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. It, yeah. o- it only just now came to Yeah, we don't, we don't really work much on the, uh, the uh, PR of these, <laughs> of these, or these, uh, these games. Yeah. <laughs> Oops-a-daisies. Anyway, so um, we'd love to hear more about that from you all, but we're going to now get down to business. And that's right, the sounds of New Zealand's number two uh, folk parody group let you know that it's time for Oklahoma's number two film podcast <laughs> to uh, do what we do best, uh, to do that, that juicy, juicy analysis of the- movies that don't seem to warrant it on the surface. And um, my role in this show has often been something of a moderator, especially as of late. And uh, I'm going to be curious because you guys are going to have to help me out because I don't got a whole lot. This week. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. I, mean, I like this movie, but it's, you know, it, it is quite thin on many levels. You know what? You know what? It's okay, Dad. As you get older, there are things you can't do for yourself, <laughs> and you have to turn to the young to help you in your time of need. And I'll carry this burden for you. Uh, for me, one of the never things that I... Never have a birthday, dear listener. Never, ever. They never, ever show I can't wait till we put you in ever. a home and never have to visit you again. This is what's happening, is I'm slowly <laughs> usurping his role. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's... I, I am belying my more it's chaotic nature. It's actually just going to be 
an hour and ten minutes of Dalton talk to himself, <laughs> or as I like to call it, the people's history of film. Yeah, that's about what, well, what, to what say. will end up happening is I'll be making a phone call and I'll be like, "Okay, I need you to find the keys. They're in the drawer by the sink in the bathroom. I need you to drive the Porsche. I've got everything under control. When I will save my drive life. your Porsche any day. Well, okay, I would like to drive my Porsche too. Yeah, I was saying you uh, you need to get one first. I think is the key there. I was I was, was anybody else kind of like, how's this guy got a Porsche? Like uh, this is like. So my assumption is, I was, but I was thinking like a like a new Porsche. He probably, yeah, he probably built that from scratch. He yeah. said Porsche too. I also was, was assuming he has a new Porsche. And I was like, oh, it's a racing yeah. Porsche. Okay, that it makes more sense. Out. Yeah. So that actually takes us where I think we should start. Is one of the things that I think is most interesting is uh, the daughter character, okay, um, who is presented as a potential kidnapping victim, uh, and then presented as. Um, a rebellious 14-year-old with a two-old boyfriend, uh, and both of those things are super uninteresting. Uh, and it turns out that's not what her role in this movie is at all. Her role is to help Frank Grillo uh, bail bail her dumb dad out for being a dumb criminal. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome. Yeah. And she shows up in this dope, uh, this uh, great uh, Porsche, Porsche racetrack car. Yeah. Um, and what a what a great turn! So I just yeah. I think that's a great place to start in what in talking about Wheelman. Yeah, I, I think it's a great subversion of the trope because, as you said, as soon as we find out the mafia is involved, and as soon as we find you know we know he's got a kid, we know he's got an ex wife, but as soon as we find the mafia is involved, we know exactly where this is going to go. They're going to you know grab his family, and he's going to have to you know whatever try to save him. Uh, but they they do subvert that partially, especially with the daughter. You know, we do get it with the ex wife, but the daughter's. Uh, the kind of wild card there, and I like how they play that. And we have this, you know, thirteen-year-old kid um, who is smart, who's aware, who who understands. You know, she's she's not dumb. She's not ignorant of the, you know, the divorce or the separation or whatever we have. Um, she's not ignorant of what her dad's doing. Yeah, she knows. She's very self-aware, which is a nice. That in and of itself, I think, is a great presentation of youth in film because typically. Anything below probably 16. And even 16 is usually presented as very naive and very uneducated. But and very especially young yeah. teens and children. This yeah. 13-year-old kid is definitely taking charge, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and unless it's something like, uh, you know, uh, 13 or uh, a movie, you know, that is specifically dealing with the life of youth from a very young director. Kind of a coming-of-age kind of yeah, story. Yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking of the film, is it Kids? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking of as well. Um, but uh, I, I think it's nice and refreshing to see a very aware teenager uh, who, who I think it's an honest depiction of a teenager, you know? And uh, I also like the subversion that she's there to save her dad. Like, she's not going to run from the issue. Uh, she knows that she's there to, you know, she can help her dad out. And she's not a damsel in distress in the traditional. I mean, it's set up that way, but they subvert that. And I think that's a, a smart move. And I think it kind of feels fresh there at the end to play it that way. I, I You know, I tend to agree. I mean, I do like that fresher sort of usage of it. I mean, it is sort of, in a way, uh, some of the, the strength that was taken out by the use of Jess, the uh, wife character, who is pretty much solely just uh, your damsel in distress. And it does this interesting sort of very, very, uh, very, uh, the, oh golly, the John, the searchers um, kind of movement here, where you've got the man on the, the exterior space, and you've got the women in the interior space, uh, the domestic space. The interior versus, space is the phone in this case. Yeah, or the professionals, but yeah, the phone. The phone, most literally as we see it in the film. And in the concluding scene where they meet in the diner, he doesn't go in the diner, uh, and he's watching them through the window framed again from the mm -hmm. glass. Again, very, very John. Very searchersy. Yeah, yeah, John Ford kind of moment there where this domestic space and family and relationships, those things are available to them. And he has sort of, uh, uh, in a way, divorced himself uh, from uh, the uh, sort of social uh, side of the human family. But again, that, that that's it, it, it's definitely interesting that the daughter is doing more. She's, she's far more uh, proactive. Um, than the uh, the girl that's being rescued in the searcher, so that, that is a positive move. But in the end, I mean, because of the use of Jess, and uh, because you know he's a he's a he's, he's John Wayne kind of character, just not fit for regular society. This time, instead of spending too much time in the wilderness, is because he spent too much time in prison. Same idea that he just cannot really integrate himself into the domestic sphere, and uh, so th that's going on in the movie. And that's sort of my big observation coming in, and that's totally fair. I think for me, what I I think is interesting about this is um, instead of focusing on that he's divorced himself, but that he's chosen to be this man on the outside. I think what's more interesting um, is he has uh, had a relationship with his daughter that has allowed her to be capable so she can survive if she 
ever is forced to be in the outside world, if the outside world encringes or encroaches upon her. Uh, she has the, the wits and the skills to um, do all right for herself, but has also been given... He's realized that the best life for her is the life that is a family of, you know, getting to just be a normal person that doesn't have to worry about their safety. Or I guess not, I shouldn't say normal person, just to be a safe person, to be a person who doesn't have to worry about, you know, the mob. Um, But he has given her those tools. And again, he he gave her those tools in accident uh, and it actively allowed this world to uh, encroach upon her. But I, I think that that third act shift in focus to being about her really makes it a more interesting exercise. Uh, but I, I do totally agree with you that the use of Jess overly complicates that potentially really cool thing. Uh, it kind of takes some away from that. I, I will agree. Um, I think the next thing for me that I find really interesting is, um, you know, and this is not a new trope, but, uh, you know, the good man gone bad because of money. Um, uh, it's yeah. one of uh, the, our oldest tropes in this type of movie. Um, it's usually the jumping off point for this type of movie. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to talk about where you think uh, Frank Grillo's character of the wheel man sits in this this kind of pantheon of this kind of film character. Well, he's not um, he's not really the fish out of water kind of dupe. He's not the mm-hmm. guy that accidentally finds the, the case full of MacGuffin, mm-hmm. whatever a MacGuffin happens to be. Yeah, this and is it, this is no uh, Llewellyn Moss and no Country for Old Men. Yeah, it's, it's not like that. So he's he's not he he's going into it fully aware, and the thing goes sideways, and he spends most of his time trying to fix that. Although I do have to say, um, I don't think I think Hollywood has got to stop with the trope of the sort of like hiring service of wheelmen. Like this doesn't. Exist, you know. There's not a Craigslist as you know. Single white driver seeks a bank robbery in which I can drive. Hey, a... man, I don't know any bank robbers. Um, no. Yeah, yeah, you don't. I no. don't know any bank robbers. N- n- none so, at all. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, I, are there successful bank robbers anymore? I don't think that's a real thing. I think that is totally fabrication of the movie. I well, think social media has killed a lot of yeah of I security think, cameras. I think we would know. Uh, if there was like some sort of band roving band of like baby driver, if there was a roving band of bank robbers in the Atlanta area in the Atlanta Atlanta area, I think we would know about it. Well, I think they'd be folk this heroes. This is Mike Myers. <laughs> well, I certainly don't think any bank robber goes. You know what we need to do? We need to hire a perfect stranger who can drive real good. Yeah, you know, for no, sure. I, I, I don't think that's what anybody's probably thinking. not. There's probably like oh Joe Joey Joey Two Face. Yeah, Joey Two Face drops guns all the time, but he can you know keep it between the lines. We'll let him drive the car. Yeah, I mean that's. That seems to be the way that it would end up being handled. Presumably. But, yeah. He, he, so he falls into the thing, and uh, he's savvy enough to know, even though he's called an amateur mm-hmm. um, a, a time or two, he's savvy enough to know, okay, these are things I've got to do. And he also is knowledgeable about the rules of the life of the underworld. He knows, okay, I have your money. I have you know, abandoned your guys. I don't want to do that. Like He knew that was a big violation to have done he so. He knows the rules. Yeah, and so he, he's, he's aware there. So he's a little bit different than what we're probably seeing more often. He's a little bit knowledgeable, and he's just sort of just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's all I've got. Okay, I'm just curious what, what you, your thoughts on that were. I don't think I have much to add to that. Okay, the only thing that I, I think makes that more interesting i guess is um what stops him from being tainted right because it would be very easy for it to just turn out to like well i'm gonna steal all these guys money no he's gonna burn the money he doesn't want the money he wants to be rid of it well that's knowing the rules too he knows if he takes the money he's a dead man if he says i'm torching the money because i'm like i don't want anybody to have it it's not like i'm keeping this for myself i'm not uh, violating the honor amongst thieves is that you guys have violated the contract, and now I'm just getting out. And I find that interesting because I think most movies like this do dip their toe into taking the money and running. I mean, that's usually where this this kind of plot ends up, right, uh, is the one final score, and then I'm going to get out of here and, and head off into the sunset. And Frank Grillo realizes he has too many responsibilities to do that, I think, uh, which is, is an interesting subversion of this kind of story that we're very familiar with. I think I did have one last observation because I think there are some very interesting creative uh, choices from a uh, cinematography and editing uh, direction that really impact the psychology of of watching this film in that I never feel that we are here to identify 
necessarily with, you know, Frank's character. I really feel like we're set in a position that we truly are passengers in the cars um, uh, yeah. that we're in because... That's such a good observation, Arthur. Uh, when the film starts, uh, we're already in the car, and we're in this garage, and we see this mechanic or... Yeah, we don't get out of that car till he switches cars. Yeah. And so we're there, and any time, uh, you know, Grillo gets out to do something, we stay in the car to watch him either go to the trunk or interact in the bar with somebody. Uh, we never leave the car. And then even when he does get out of the car, we're automatically put into perspective of the Porsche, and we're with mm-hmm. the daughter from then on. Yeah. And the outside events are, are kind of irrelevant to us. Yeah. And so I, I think it's just a very interesting decision, and it, and it allows us to see, you know, Grillo's character as the flawed kind of. I mean, he's he's not a great guy. I mean, he does have a lot of things. He's you know, he's in too deep. Yeah. And he's you know he's trying to get out of that, and it's kind of, uh, it's not really painting him as this kind of pure white meat uh, good guy. And mm-hmm. I, I think that it kind of allows us to see a lot of the flaws uh, as in this world. I think it kind of gives us more of an unbiased. Uh, seat in 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 here, which kind of changes the stakes, I think, because uh, we kind of see him, I think, from multiple perspectives. We can kind of I- identify with the way his wife is viewing him or the way his daughter is viewing him, but we also kind of get to view him uh, as this guy who's just he's he's in it because he's in too deep, but he he was doing it for his family, and I and, you know we still get to see that core. But I think it's a very interesting choice, especially when we switch perspectives in the third act, like you said, and and we're with the daughter. And, and we're still in the car and, and seeing it from that angle. And I think it kind of gives it a, a different uh, kind of perspective it, from it, what we're normally used to. It fly on the walls us a yeah. lot. Yeah. It really it, makes yeah. us a fly on the wall. And it does kind of accentuate what you were talking about, Dustin, the, uh, the interior and exterior spaces, the, you know, the kind of like searcher's idea. Mm-hmm. It really kind of accentuates that. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's the smart call is using that camera to make us a fly on the wall. Um, as opposed to an active participant. Yeah. And ver- uh, yeah, and yeah. very rarely does a film sort of play with subjectivity. They they really situate you quickly in this is this is your place as subject. Yeah. Um, you the viewer that is as you're sutured in to watch the film. And they the the fact that they do play with that is is a bold choice. I mean it really really is. Yeah. And so yeah, that's a good observation. I really like that a lot, Mr. Arthur Gordon. So, without any further ado, we come now to the point of the show we must render a verdict regarding Wheelman from Netflix of our Netflix November marathon. And that verdict must be either shelf or trash, which in this uh, particular month will be stream or pass. Yes. And then your else or instead. I go to you first, Dalton Stewart. What do you say? Stream or pass, else or instead? I mean, as 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 much as I sang the praises of this movie, I do kind of think you can probably afford to skip it. Um, I like it a lot. If you like Frank Grillo a lot, uh, if you like car chases a lot, if you like thrillers a lot. Um, if you like uh, high concepts, um, you know, high concepts in that, you know, you're locked in one place for the whole movie. If that is your bag, absolutely. Come with me on this ride. You're going to have a good time. But otherwise, you know, that's that doesn't sound super interesting to you. You're fine. You're not missing anything. It is, it is not, you know, a, a great hidden piece of action cinema. Uh, and I think that's really what we're trying to figure out this month when we're doing these Netflix movies. Are these Netflix movies hidden gems? Because I feel like they're getting skipped a lot. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't hear people talking about movies that they watched on Netflix. Not like you hear people talking about the way that you know when Stranger Things season two drops. You know, you don't hear people talking that way. The way they talk about that show, you don't. There hasn't been a Netflix movie that's been a, a fucking event like that. They just there just hasn't been. Even Oak just maybe Beast of No Nation, but that was but just because quite. it was the first one, right? Yeah. Uh, Oak just the closest I can think of, and that was yeah. more because film nerds were like, "Whoa, this is." This is Bong Joon Ho. This is Netflix. This is crazy. Like, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding it, and and you know distribution and, yeah. and screening, much like Beasts of the No Nation, yeah. which had the similar. You know, it was an event because yeah. of all of these outside factors. Yeah. It's not just like the the general cultural consciousness shifted in the direction of Netflix because of a movie. And I think that's what we're trying to find. Are any of these that movie? Wheelman's not that movie. It's just not. It's not going to be that movie. Um, and that's okay. You know, it's great. I'm glad Frank Grillo got to showcase. Hope I hope it leads to you know more and more work for him uh but at the end of the day you can you can probably pass on this uh, what should you watch instead i hate to do this to frank eh, but yeah tom hardy's version of this is a better movie probably and that's lock uh, the movie he did with steven s tonight uh steven s Knight. i forget how whatever his name is um that movie is just so good uh and again this is like lock but with more car chases and, and you know what hey there ain't nothing wrong with that but but lock 
did do this thing first and I think is operating. It's just Steven Knight. I don't know why I try to add a middle initial. Um, as much as I like Frank Grillo, Tom Hardy is acting at a higher level than he is. And that's nothing against Frank Grillo at all. I love him to pieces. Um, but Tom Hardy is doing that like real, like crazy next level stuff. Um, and not everybody can do that. Frank Grillo is amazing at what he does. Tom Hardy is amazing at what he does. And I don't want them to do the same thing. But when it comes to doing that thing, Locke is a movie that works better with that thing. Um, now, that said, keeping this movie 80 minutes keeps it lean. Um, but Locke, Locke does this a little bit better, as much as I hate to say that. Because, again, it's it's very loaded to quantify them like that because they are two different movies. Uh, what else could you watch uh, instead? Uh, some better car chase movies. Uh, Bullet with Stephen Queen, uh, one of the all-timers. Uh, it's, a, it's a real great one. And um, I hate to do this uh, because I have some really mixed feelings about this filmmaker right now, but uh, Death Proof, uh, the Quentin Tarantino film. I've, with all, Great movie. Yeah, I've got some real mixed feelings about what a big piece of shit that guy uh, is. And you know what? Good for him for getting out in front of it, but getting out in front of it doesn't make you a good person. That just makes you a knowledgeable person and a person with a good conscience. Uh, doesn't mean you were a good actor at the time. Um, that fucking sucks, man. Uh, way to dirty your work. Way to dirty your reputation. Way to dirty your legacy uh, by uh, choosing to associate with somebody you knew as a bad person. That's uh, That shows a lack of moral character. But that does not mean Death Proof is not bitching, because it is. And um, Zoe Bell riding on the top of that fucking car uh, with those belts is one of the coolest things I've ever seen another human being do. Oh, that and axe kicking Kurt Russell. Well, that is not something she gets to do. Rosario Dawson gets to oh, do Rosario that. Oh, Rosario Dawson does And that. that is also one of the coolest things I've ever seen yeah. another human being do. And that's... With all of that said, with all of that gross stuff and with all of the complicated uh, gender uh, things that come into play when we talk about Quentin Tarantino's career now, um, it's all messy. But I'll tell you what, the last half of that movie, you get to see three women do some really cool stuff. And um, that was the first time I'd ever seen women do stuff that cool uh, with sex being about it that little. Uh, Because when women get to do cool stuff in movies made by men, it's often about their sexuality. And the last half of Death Proof doesn't have any of that. It just doesn't. Now, again, it's been probably four years since I've seen it. Uh, well, since we talked about it on the show. Uh, but I, I think uh, the second half of that movie speaks for itself. Um, and it's one of the all-time great car chases. And I'm glad I got to uh, be in the generation that got to have it when it when it first came to the masses. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton. Sir, what do you say, Arthur? Uh, stream or pass, else or instead? I'm going to say stream it. I think it's rock solid little thriller. I think it's you know quick. It's eighty minutes. It's nothing you know really to invest in. You can watch it quickly on a Saturday morning or a Sunday afternoon movie, and you've already paid for it, so it's not like you're going out of your way. Uh, so check it out. I, I I think it's got a lot of good going for it. Uh, I'm I'm, so, I'm glad you went to bat for it stronger yeah, well, than I did. I I I enjoyed it. I I think. Uh, like I've said in the past, I like a movie that really raises the stakes quite a bit, and I think this does a good job of that. And I like some of the creative decisions as far as, like I talked about visually and things like that. And so I think it's 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 interesting. I think Lock, you know, Lock is a better movie, yes. Uh, but if you're looking for something light, uh, just like a good, you know, fun action movie, I think this works for you. You're right. Um, but uh, I'm going to pair it with three. Um, I just shot Marvin in the face. Uh, films. <laughs> um, this does yes. have a, I just shot Marvin in the face moment. It does. And so I'm going to go with uh, Snatch. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that works. Uh, and, and a couple of these pair well tonally and you know genre wise as well. So Snatch, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, it's just a fun time. It's that just movie is good full of time. I just shot Marvin in the face yes, moments. That's, that's the whole movie. It should have been called I just shot Marvin in the face versus Evil. Um, <laughs> and finally... Again, he's going to come up, but uh, it's Pulp Fiction. Yeah, uh, where you know where the trope originates. Shock, sh- that's shocking violence. Um, yeah. in an otherwise pretty benign moment of crime. Yeah, is it does something, man? Yeah, it, it just works, and it's there's always something to it, and and so yeah, I, I think those are three movies, and you know, Snatch and Pulp Fiction, I think work genre wise anyway, and so I think there's a there's a trilogy there for you. All righty. Well, I am going to say pass. I mean, it's fine if it's on. If someone says, "Hey, let's watch Wheelman," you shouldn't vote no. But, yeah, I don't think you should seek it out. It, it's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's definitely not something that's worth pursuing um, as a film. Instead, watch Drive. Instead, watch The Searchers. And uh, The Searchers, um, interestingly, as it do, uses that sort of interior-exterior space, the, the domestic versus sort of the professional environment, it does so in a way that's actually more woke in the 1950s than this film is in the 20-teens. Yeah, a little bit. Because it's, it's about interracial marriage. And it does. And if you're watching The Searchers and you don't realize that... 
John Wayne is the villain, you're watching it wrong. Yeah, you're blaming you're you're making an assumption about everybody who was alive in the 1950s. There yeah. were people who knew what the fuck was up. Yeah. And John Ford problems though he had did kind of know what the fuck was up a little bit. Yeah, well, that, well despite him or whatever he might think, the movie itself as a result there is There we go. That's a better way to put woke. it. The movie knows what's up. Yeah. Even if the filmmaker doesn't. That's yeah. a much better way to put it. And uh, so that is uh, my recommend there. We're going to keep on rolling down this uh, Netflix November well, train, though. Well, yeah, it is time to, to keep that going. I do want to jump in real quick before we close the show out and say uh, I feel weird about how much I talked about uh, why what Tarantino being bad was bad because it fucked up his legacy. I want to clarify that more important than that is the fact that he allowed uh, victimization to continue. Yeah. He allowed a culture of, of vileness to continue. I want to clarify that that is the much bigger evil, and I'm aware of that. Yes. Uh, I felt weird about the way that I phrased that a little bit ago, so I just want to jump in and say, sorry. Yeah. Dalton's good people. I'm working on it. I'm trying. Deep I try to be good people. But yes, this Netflix train does not stop. Um, th- this one is... Uh, I'm going to let Arthur tell the good people because this is one he pushed for real hard. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited about this. It looks like a very interesting movie. Um, uh, it's got an interesting premise uh, similar to uh, that movie, that show I can't think of right now. just slipped my mind Sense on it. Uh, no, the one that's on uh, the BBC with the, oh, the uh, girl's name I can't pronounce. Oh, yeah, Tatiana Maisley. Yeah. And the name of that show is Orphan Black. Orphan Black, that's the we one. We got there. Uh, yeah. The show that neither of us watched. I watched yeah. the se- uh, first season. Oh, is it good? Yeah. It's, I mean, her performance is just so good. That's what she always hear. And so, yeah, I mean, she's playing seven different roles, you know, so it's... That's really cool. Which is uh, brings us to this movie, the Netflix original uh, What Happened to Monday, starring Numi Rapaz. Uh, I'm very excited about that because she's a lot of fun. She's so cool. Uh, we also get to see Willem Dafoe and Glenn Close, uh, so that's a, that's a solid cast. Uh, I'm excited about this sci-fi action crime mashup, uh, which kind of plays, I think, a lot of the same kind of tropes more from Black. We've got uh, seven uh, a set, set of set tuplets yep. um, played by Numi Rapaz, and so I think uh, some fun will be had, hopefully. I think fun will definitely be had because you know what's going to happen? We're going to watch a movie, and we're going to talk about it, and that's what makes doing this stuff all worthwhile. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Good Trash Genrecast. The Good Trash Genrecast is a production of Good Trash Media. For more info on all things Good Trash Media, head on over to goodtrashmedia.com. Our intro music, as every week, is a super cut uh, of some wonderful, wonderful film clips and the score to Wonder Woman by Junkie XL and Hans Zimmer, edited by our own Arthur Gordon. And this week, our outro music is Bell Bottoms by the John Spencer Blues Explode. <laughs> So ladies and gentlemen, right now I got to tell you about the fabulous, most groovy, Bell Bottom. Bell Bottom.
我就敢。